You're listening to the PMO Strategies Podcast, where PMO leaders become impact drivers. This is episode 19. Well, hey there, welcome back to the PMO Strategies Podcast. I am your host, Laura Bernard, and as always, I am honored and grateful that you are allowing me to spend a little bit of your day with you. This episode is sponsored by my free masterclass. I'm gonna share with you my game-changing PMO strategy using my six-step framework to help you create, or accelerate your successful PMO. Whether you're starting your PMO for the first time or in rescue mode and need to get your PMO back on track, or you just wanna ensure that your PMO is delivering as much value as possible, this training will help you get to the heart of what actually makes a difference, where you should start, and how you can accelerate your PMO performance to deliver high impact outcomes, not just outputs, for your organization. If you've been thinking or feeling that you're in PMO survival mode, then I assure you we are going to shift gears and get your PMO thriving. Join me at pmostrategies.com forward slash setup. That's pmostrategies.com forward slash setup. Today we are going to talk about what you should do before you set up a PMO. Now I know that many of you listening already have a PMO and I'm gonna ask that you stick around and listen to this episode too because this is a good way to just kind of have a litmus test or just double check that all the critical steps you need to ensure that you have the right stakeholder engagement, the right sponsorship support, the right ongoing funding and everything else you need to make sure your PMO is not just set up correctly but sustainable for the long term and really making that impact you know your PMO can make. So stick around for this episode as we dive into the critical questions to ask and steps you need to take before you ever start building that PMO. Now I know that many of you are thinking, but but I just really want to get started. I have to hurry up and show value. I have to make an impact quickly. I'm not going to get a lot of time to get this right. And I totally hear you and you're right. You do need to get started quickly. You won't have a lot of time to build that credibility and sustainability and get that stakeholder and sponsor engagement you need. But I'm gonna ask you to slow down so that you can speed up. Having answers to these fundamental questions will be a game changer for you, for your PMO, for your organization, and most of all, for your sanity. Okay, let's dive in with the first question you wanna ask. And that is, what business problem are you trying to solve? Now, if you've been listening to this podcast, I talk a lot about instilling focus and making sure that you're measuring outcomes and the whole Impact PMO Leader Mindset series that was at the very beginning of this podcast. You can go back and listen to those episodes, episode 001 through 008, if you wanna dive deep into those mindsets. Okay, so why is this question so important? First things first, you need to know your purpose. Before you even get into the list of services you'll provide, you need to know your mission. You need to have a greater purpose that you are fulfilling with this PMO. 
Your mission is not to manage projects. Your mission is not to create templates and tools or put certain governance in place. Your mission is to get to outcomes that positively impact the organization you serve. To do that, you need to be very clear on the business pain points, challenges, or new opportunities that your PMO will help solve. You've got to get crystal clear on that before you do anything else. And this is where I see some PMO leaders go down a dangerous rabbit hole. They say, yep, I already know our mission. I know exactly what this organization needs. I know the medicine they need to take. And that is extremely dangerous because I'm going to let you in on a little secret here. If you build it, they will not come. That's right. If you build it, they will not come. And why is that? Because you built it. Anytime you are setting up a PMO or creating any change in your organization, whether it be for a project or an organizational change initiative, if you do it to them, they will not come along for the ride, even if it is in their best interest, even if they know it is in their best interest, because you're doing it to them. What you want to do instead is build it with them. So if you build it together, not only will they come, but they will be in the driver's seat with you. And that is exactly what you want. Doing it together helps ensure that everyone that needs to be involved, everyone that will be a stakeholder in the outcomes you're creating feels like they are part of the process. Think about it. Anytime change is done to you, you instinctively pull back, don't trust it, and don't want to be involved. The same thing is true for your stakeholders. And the PMO, even in the simplest form, creates change for the organization. That is the whole purpose. You are helping to govern projects or manage portfolios or implement projects or provide tools or services or support. Whatever it is, you are all about change. So the fact that you are about change and you're bringing change to the organization means you need to put your foot on the brakes and think about ways that you can engage the stakeholders and your sponsor in the process. Everybody that will be affected by the outcomes of your PMO needs to be a part of the solution building together. Whether you've been there one month or 20 years, you still aren't inside the heads of the business leaders that are creating this opportunity for the PMO. So ask them, talk to them a lot. They will eventually tell you everything you need to know. And I still have some yeah buts out there. I know I'm hearing it through the airwaves. Yeah, but what if I do know what is best for them? And my answer for that is, who cares? Not them. Sometimes we won't take the medicine we really need to take until we trust that it's really going to make us feel better. So make them feel better first. Solve some easier to reach pain points for them to build trust. Then you can get their engagement to consider the medicine that they really need. Here's why I push so hard on that. Being a keynote speaker, I have the pleasure of meeting PMO leaders and project managers from around the world. And many times when I'm on stages, I'll talk to them about the purpose of project management or the purpose of a PMO. 
I'll take some time to get to know the audience and I'll ask questions like, what is the purpose of the PMO or project management? And as many of them share their thinking on the purpose of the PMO, they'll say things like to create standards and process and templates and tools and governance and oversight. Then I ask if there's anyone else in the audience that is on the receiving end of these PMO gifts, as you will. And that's when you start hearing the outpouring of answers like overhead, process heavy, gotcha organization, enforcer, box checkers, not real work. Yes, these are examples of the things that I have heard people say in response to how do you feel about the PMO? Wow, that really stinks to hear, doesn't it? But to me, it's not surprising at all to see that when your focus is on the process tools and templates and best practices, your stakeholders are going to think of you and your team as quote unquote, not real work. So when you think about what the PMO is there for, you want to be thinking about to what end. So if we're creating standards or process or templates or tools, those are the means not the end. The end is the outcome, the impact you're making with those. And every time you create a template, a tool, a step in the process, you've got to be sure it's driving impact. It's leading you to those outcomes. It is getting to those ends. Because without the outcomes to show that using those processes, tools, and best practices will create gains for the organization, that it would not achieve otherwise, you are just doing busy work. Creating tools, templates, and process is not the purpose of the PMO. What? Sure it is, you say. Nope, it's not. Often when I ask why the PMO is there, the answer they give is quite frankly wrong. Templates, tools, process, best practices, standards, on and on and on are a means to an end, not the end itself. You are there to drive business results for your company in a way that gets you that highest return on investment. You see, projects are investments, and I know you've heard me say this before, and you will hear me say it again. The company is investing money, and in return, they want to achieve a particular result. They don't just want to break even. They want a return on that money invested. They want to achieve the business outcomes the project was undertaken to create and in a way that isn't costing them more than the benefits they were going to achieve. Think about it. Why would you do a project if it was going to cost you as much as the benefit that you could possibly achieve? That seems like a big waste of time and energy, isn't it? If you spend all of your time and energy and resources creating tools and templates, shouting out from the mountaintops that there is a best practice here for everyone to flock to, you will quickly become an organization that is thought of as not real work. Because the rest of the organization is responsible for getting to some kind of outcomes that benefit the company. And so are you. To be clear, I'm not saying you shouldn't have standard methods for getting the work done, but do get the work done and make sure the PMO is facilitating that work getting done for the organization with as high of a possible return on investment. The PMOs of the future and those that have been successful in my experience being a PMO leader through my Impact Engine PMO training and coaching program that I do for all of my students around the world, they are successful because they are usually integrating into the mindset of the business by focusing first and foremost on the outcomes they're trying to achieve for the organization as a whole. 
and are not necessarily as obsessed with how many templates they have in their library. Keep your eye on the ball of what work needs to get accomplished and how your team is going to go about accomplishing that work. Are they spending 50% of their time filling out templates people are never looking at again? Then you may want to reconsider the direction you are giving them. You see, it's okay. No, no, no. It's mandatory to spend time on the right level of documentation. How else are you going to effectively communicate and have for reference later what is agreed to, how you are progressing, etc.? What I'm talking about is making sure that the efforts are high impact that every bit of time spent on defining process, leveraging tools, and filling out templates can be directly linked to the work of the project and is required to move the ball further down the field. Also, don't forget it's prudent and crucial to your sustainability of a PMO to make sure you are showing that value you are creating in some sort of metrics. And just as a reminder, in the Impact PMO Leader Mindset series, I talk a lot about measuring outcomes instead of just outputs. So definitely go back and check that out for reference. So while there are countless metrics out there, I suggest keeping it very simple. How long did projects take before the PMO started providing support? And how long do they take now? So there, we're just simply measuring, do the same kinds of projects with similar scope take just as long, longer, less? Now that's an important one if you're trying to make sure that you're showing how you are accelerating progress and project delivery and not slowing it down. Because let's just say you have a naysayer saying that the PMO is actually slowing them down by adding steps to the process. If you can show that's not true because you're measuring all of your projects and showing that similar projects actually are accelerated now, then you're doing exactly what you should be doing, right? So it's a great way to kind of have your ducks in a row if somebody's challenging the PMO. And also it just shows the impact you're making. Look, we're achieving return on investment faster because we've accelerated the delivery of the projects. Oftentimes when you're accelerating the delivery, you're also keeping the budget under control and making sure that you're not overspending on that project. Here's another one. How have we increased the project team member productivity? Are there things you're doing where project team members are actually now maybe spending less time in meetings because you've put some automation in place? Maybe you've streamlined the communication process so people aren't spending as many hours in meetings every week, thereby increasing their productivity. Maybe you've put stand-ups in place instead of having people sit in hour-long meetings. And if you don't know what a stand-up is, think of it as just maybe a 15-minute what's your win, what's your priority, and where are you stuck kind of a conversation that you can have and maybe forego those long status updates that can often take up a lot of time and not provide a lot of value to each team member trying to move forward. What about how have we helped increase project throughput across the portfolio? You might have some critical resources that end up creating a bottleneck on several projects. And if you can find a way to stagger those projects so that that critical resource isn't getting 15 projects on their plate at once, but can focus on one thing at a time. Don't forget, instill focus. If you can create an environment where those 
bottleneck resources that are so critical to everybody's project can work on one thing at a time, they're going to get that one thing done so much faster. They're not going to have 10 project managers breathing down their neck to get 10 things done. And they're making an inch progress on every single project as opposed to knocking something out, then being able to put that down, move it along to the next step in the project, and then switch gears and focus on something else. Just changing the way the throughput is recognized across the portfolio of projects can be a huge impact for an organization. Here's another one. How much money have we saved the organization by making timely decisions or turning around issues more quickly or managing risks more effectively? You get the idea. Now notice what's missing from that list of examples. I never said, how many tools have we created? How many templates have we put in our library? What is the list of procedures we must follow in order to get the project started or to request PMO support? By the way, that one really bothers me. Sometimes I see such huge barriers to entry to engage a PMO. You've got to fill out a form with 65 questions before we'll even talk to you. Well, how are people supposed to engage? People are going to absolutely find other ways to get the work done and avoid the PMO at all costs because they can't even get through the intake process. You've got to make it super, super easy for people to engage with the PMO and hold their hand every step of the way. Okay. Back to this topic. No one wants to hear about the numbers of templates and tools and process. And frankly, the bigger the number, not necessarily the better. So we've got to make sure that instead of looking for ways that we can count outputs, we're looking for ways that we can count outcomes. No one wants to hear about those numbers unless you are streamlining, reducing, or optimizing any of those items, like the number of templates you have, so that people can get to the business of getting work done. All right, that is a long-winded but tons of takeaways point for question one you want to ask. So the next question that I think is critical for you to consider before starting a PMO or if you're finding that your PMO doesn't have quite the value or oomph or engagement or support that you think it should is how are we going to show value quickly? Now I want to be very clear on this one. I'm not talking about quick wins where we just throw something in place or buy a bunch of templates or jam a tool down people's throats. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about where is the opportunity for you to build credibility quickly by really solving a problem, really helping make someone's life better, help projects get done more quickly, help better quality outputs get created, therefore leading to better outcomes for the projects, accelerate performance, achieve higher return on investment. How can you do one of those things? Now, I'm not saying you have to know the answer off the top of your head. And next week, we're going to dive deep on the assessment process and what is critical for you to have in order to assess the organization for those impact opportunities and find those first opportunities to show value quickly. So definitely come back and check that episode out next. So how are you going to show value quickly with your PMO? Your leaders are going to invest time, money, energy, resources, and focus on getting this PMO up and running. And even if your first out of the gate PMO is you and only you part of your time 
just trying to get it up and running, your time is still an investment that the leadership is making and they're expecting to see a result. And I know what that's like. When I first built my first PMO back in 1999, in the beginning, it was just part of my day job. I was also still managing a couple of big e-commerce projects and trying to get this PMO off the ground. So this applies to you too. Even if you feel like your organization is not investing time and energy, the fact that even part of your time is made available to get that PMO up and running means they want to see a return. And that result has to equate to a greater impact than the time, money, and resources they have invested in the PMO and in you. Therefore, your job is to figure out how you can take the business problem you are trying to solve with question one, what's the business problem we're solving? And determine how you can ease the pain on your stakeholders quickly. And this is a good example of what you might think the medicine is they need to take or where you should be spending your time as a PMO originally may differ from what they really, really need. So for example, does the business area that you serve have a project that is just hemorrhaging money? Get in there, help them, rescue that project and do it fast. Please don't stop and say, wait, let me build 15 templates first before I help this project get back on track. No, just go get it done for them. You will build credibility and engagement. You have created advocates that will support you as you build out your PMO. So when we dive deeper into assessment next week, we'll talk about how you can look for those opportunities, but just keep in mind that your goal might not be to start with templates, tools, and process at all. It might actually be to go rescue a failed project or help a department with just simply getting a list of projects that they're working on so that their leaders can have some transparency. Because you know what comes after that? Once they see the list and they see all the projects that are actually happening in their organization, they have a much better chance of prioritizing them effectively and assigning resources based on that priority. Before you know it, you put portfolio management in place for that department. And it started by simply just getting them that list, right? And you get them a list. They see that transparency. You start building credibility. They ask you for the next step and you can kind of lead them down the journey of the high impact outcomes they can get with their PMO, all because you just stopped the bleeding, which was that they didn't even know the number of projects or what those projects were that were happening in their organization. See how easy that is? Okay, next question I want you to ask or consider before you start building a PMO, or if you're finding that your PMO doesn't have the support it needs right now, who is my primary sponsor? Every project should have a sponsor, and the build out of your PMO is no different than any other project. Now I wanna be super clear here. I am not saying that the PMO is a project. I am not saying that the PMO should have a charter because that is for projects. A PMO should have a business plan because it is a business unit. Now, there might be those PMOs that are really just what I call a project office, which means they're the team of people that are managing a big project or program initiative. That's very different. I'm talking about the PMO here that is supposed to be a sustainable business unit providing ongoing business value. That should not be treated like a project, but the setup can be. Now, when you're setting up your PMO, you might have a different sponsor than you would when it's actually in regular business running business operations mode. For example, your primary sponsor for the setup of the PMO 
could actually be the department that it's serving. Whereas once the PMO is up and running, maybe your boss becomes the sponsor when it's operational. So those are just things to consider. But the organization that sustains has to have a sponsor or champion for the PMO outside of the PMO leader themselves. And the project to build the PMO should have a sponsor too. They can be one and the same, but they need to be identified. You should not be going this alone. Now, it's awesome if you can have this person be the CEO or the department leader for your organization. The higher up in the organization, the better. And if you can't gain interest or support from the higher ups in your organization, then you probably shouldn't be building the PMO in the first place. Go back to question one, which is, the figuring out what the business problem is that you're trying to solve and how that impacts your stakeholders and find that sponsor in that process. We'll dive more into that next week when we talk about assessing the organization for impact opportunities. Now here's one other one that a lot of people forget, and this is still about stakeholders, but instead of your sponsor, now we're talking about all of the other stakeholders that are going to be a part of your PMO. Now here's the tricky thing with stakeholders. I define them a little bit differently than a lot of people. To me, a stakeholder is anyone that can positively or negatively influence the outcome or the impact of your PMO or believes that they can or believes that they are impacted by the outcome of the work you're doing with your PMO. So this is anybody that can influence the direction of your PMO, make decisions about what can or can't happen, believes they have the power to influence your PMO, or believes that they are going to have to change something about their way of working as a result of what you're doing with the PMO. So this could be a group that thinks that the PMO is going to come in and change the way they do project management. True or false, it doesn't matter. They're still a stakeholder. You might not even be going anywhere near their department. They're still a stakeholder. Now, inside the Impact Engine PMO training program that I have, we go deep into stakeholder engagement very early in the process. In fact, that's in module two in the assessment stage. And the reason stakeholder engagement, not just stakeholder identification, but stakeholder engagement is happening early in that assessment stage is because you're going to have to engage all of these different groups of people that think that they have an influence on your PMO or want to have an influence on the PMO or want the PMO to go away altogether. Regardless of their role, they're still stakeholders. Regardless of their actual power, they're still stakeholders. So I have a whole matrix that I use to help you identify the stakeholders and what categories they're in and an engagement plan to help you figure out where all these stakeholders sit on that matrix and what you're going to specifically do with them to ensure that they're on the same page with you and helping to support your PMO as opposed to putting up barriers to progress. And in that program, I also go really deep in each module about where you are in the life cycle building out your PMO and what you might need to do differently or how you might want to focus your energy or what the most important ways are that you can engage stakeholders in that step in the process to keep them in sync with you. And then when we get into delivery of the PMO and showing the value of the PMO, there's another very important stakeholder engagement process, which includes 
marketing and communications and making sure that you're controlling the message of the stakeholder experience and that you're controlling what people say about the PMO because in the absence of information, stakeholders, regardless of where they actually sit in the being influenced by or ability to influence, they will make up their own stories about the PMO and what it should be doing. So even there, it's really important that you have a good stakeholder engagement plan. So everyone clear that we've got to have a good strategy on stakeholders? Okay. So why am I talking about that here? Because before you ever set up the PMO, you've got to know who's with you. Who is on the same page with you? Who is supporting you? Who can you rely on to be an early adopter? And who could potentially stand in the way of PMO progress? All of these questions are critical to answer before you start building your PMO. Or if you're finding right now that you've got a PMO in place and it doesn't have the right stakeholder engagement or support, then the answer to this question could hold the keys to why you're not making the progress or getting the traction you really want with your PMO. All right, let's keep things super simple. I like to think of stakeholders in three easy buckets, the lovers, the haters, and the just don't cares. Now we all know who the lovers are. Those are the folks that are with you and are helping you get this PMO up and running. They support the PMO, they agree with what you're trying to do, and they will go out of their way to help you succeed. They are often inside the PMO, because think about it, the people in the PMO generally have a vested interest in making sure the PMO is up and running, right? Because their job is tied to it. The sponsor for your PMO setup or the PMO operational mode, the PMO leader, which should be you or someone that you're working with, right? I hope you're supportive of it. And those that think they can benefit from the PMO being in place and supporting them as they try to accomplish their goals. Typical people you'd see in this category are, like I said, the people that are inside the PMO, your sponsor, the stakeholders that are going to be in the business unit that's going to be benefiting from those services or capabilities. Those are the kind of people that you're going to want to consider for early adopters. They might be the people that you trial out new services with. They might be the leader of a business unit that you need to go in and help do some rescue work for right away. You don't want to go after your toughest market, those that are not that interested in engaging first. Start with an easy path. Start with somebody that is interested in benefiting from your services and ask them to be an early adopter to help move you forward, try out something new, give you some feedback, understand that it's a prototype, understand that it's a beta release, understand that this is a chance to build with you instead of you doing something to them, right? Remember what I was talking about with respect to bringing people with you through the change process? These should be the easiest people to bring along through that process. They should be the ones that are happy to sit in the driver's seat with you and help you put that new service in place, test it out and make sure that it works or tweak it before you roll out that service or capability more broadly. Okay, now let's go to the fun group, the haters. Those are the people in your organization that are very vocal about their lack of enthusiasm for the PMO. Sometimes they're the people that have been in the organization a long time and they've seen the PMO come and go 
without ever really gaining any traction, or they've seen the PMO cause slowdowns on their projects. Now, it doesn't mean that it's necessarily from your version of the PMO. It could have been something that happened long before you got there. It could have nothing to do with you or with the PMO in that organization. They could have come from another organization and seen the PMO not work there. Therefore, they think all PMOs are horrible and you should run in the other direction if you ever see a PMO. Or it's been such a thorn in their side that they just can't get behind it. It might be that the work that you've done with the PMO so far has just made their lives miserable. And they're going to tell you that you have made their lives miserable. If that's the case, you might want to go back to question one again and understand how you can solve business problems for these folks to help them turn the corner. You can also work with the haters to engage them in the process. And I know what you're saying now. What? Why would I want to do that? They hate what the PMO is doing. They're not going to help me. Well, they might. See, here's the cool thing about the haters. At least they're talking to you. They are vocal and engaged in a conversation. And it may not be a pleasant conversation, but it's a conversation nonetheless. Talk to them about their concerns. Do what I call hugging your haters. Let them vent all they want about how the PMO doesn't work, what's going wrong or why the PMO won't be effective or what would stand in the way or what's currently standing in the way of the PMO being effective. What do you think they're doing for you when you do that? They're telling you all the things you need to look out for in order for the PMO to actually be successful. Any of you with a project management background understand how that might sound familiar? What are they building? Your risk register. That's right. These haters are telling you all the things that could go wrong with your PMO. They are creating a fantastic list of risks for you that you can then build strategies, management strategies to address, to solve, to mitigate, to accept, to avoid, to transfer, all the fun ways that we can manage risk. They are giving you the tools you need to manage that effectively because they're talking to you and they're helping you identify the problems. Now, the next step, now that you've listened to them and they see that you're paying attention, writing things down and taking them very seriously, is to engage them in the solution process. Hand them a whiteboard marker and put them in front of the whiteboard and have them show you or tell you how they would fix those problems if they were you. Bam. Now you have them engaged in a problem solving conversation. And guess what happens when people feel like they have a stake in the outcome because they helped you solve the problems with the PMO. That's right. You just turned those haters into very engaged stakeholders that are now very interested in the outcomes you are trying to achieve because they have a vested interest. And by the way, you actually do have to implement some of their suggestions. And unless they're just wild and crazy, it's probably worth it. And you know what? They were probably right. They might've even shown you something you didn't see, or they held the mirror up in front of you to let you know ways that you were impacting people negatively with your current services or capabilities or the things you were considering building. Or 
they could have exposed you to information you didn't have. Like, what was it like in the past with the PMO? One of the things that I always did when I went into an organization to set up a PMO was find out what hadn't worked before. And somebody's always tried something in the past. Usually this isn't their first time trying to figure out how to make a PMO or get projects done. So find out what didn't work. What do they know that you don't? That's the kind of wonderful information, beautiful, fantastic data that can save you tons of time and headache if you take the time to ask those questions. And often those haters are just people that have had a very bad experience either in this organization or another one, and they see you as a threat. So make sure you're engaging them in the process and turning that right around and developing engaged stakeholders that are invested emotionally and mentally in those outcomes. All right, now, a mistake I see PMO leaders making all the time, and I remember distinctly making this mistake myself, was ignoring the just don't cares. That's the category of people you really need to worry about. Many years ago, I found myself in a position to build out an enterprise level PMO after successfully building out a PMO in a particular business unit for the first time ever. It was the first time it worked and it was running like a well-oiled machine. And the rest of the leadership team said, you know what, I think we should do this at the enterprise level. Before I knew it, I was having conversations with different business leaders across the whole organization, trying to understand how I could engage them. I was smart enough to know that I needed to at least reach out and start having those conversations with the different stakeholder groups so I knew what business problems they needed to have solved. Now, a totally different episode, maybe when we get into the assessment and define lessons that are coming up in future podcast episodes, I'll talk about this same scenario and some of the mistakes I made trying to do everything for everybody all at once. But for the purposes of this discussion, I want to stay focused on one particular business leader that really created a lot of challenge for me. And I figured out why, but not without beating my head up against the wall a little bit first. This particular business leader really didn't care for this enterprise PMO. They wanted to do things their own way and run their business unit the way they needed to run it to get results. And frankly, they were getting good results. So why should I come in and mess things up for them? And quite frankly, take away some of that control, create more transparency and cause some issues for this particular business unit, or at least that's their perspective, right? I was there to help them solve problems, help them accelerate delivery, but they really didn't want to have anything to do with what I was bringing to the table. And the reason this is such an issue because I know some of you are thinking, well, who cares if they don't need to engage, fine. But in my case, I was building an enterprise PMO. And if that enterprise PMO didn't have engagement from all of the different departments, I would have been seen as a failure. My PMO would have been a failure. And frankly, if one business unit was allowed to quote unquote, go around the PMO, this enterprise business unit, then why couldn't everybody else do that? And before you know it, you would have this ripple effect of people saying, well, if they don't have to engage, why do I, right? And what was happening was that while I was busy putting in a structure and governance framework and a set of best practices for 
all of the different business units to engage with, this particular business leader was going off and doing the same thing and doing it in their own business unit and saying, we don't need this enterprise function because we're doing it ourselves. We don't really care what the PMO does at an enterprise level. We have our own process. And what started to happen was a lot of friction was taking place in the organization between those that were feeling like they had to engage with the PMO and those that weren't. That just don't care business leader was making it really difficult for me to gain credibility, traction, and to be seen as a leader myself by my executives. I needed to solve that problem quickly. I had to really dive deep with this business leader and figure out what they did care about what business problems they needed solved, what pain points they needed addressed, and give them that. Once I did, the business leader started engaging because they saw a connection between what the enterprise PMO was doing and something that they needed. I went back to question one, really spent time with that business leader and understood their challenges, their pain points, the opportunities to engage, and where they really needed something solved quickly, which was question two, and got some traction, finally. I even had to go to my sponsor and get their support behind the scenes to have the right conversations with people to bring them along, as well as providing the right pain point solution to them quickly. Once we solved a pain point for this particular business unit, we were able to pull them back into the fold. And now we had all of the different business units across the organization in sync and all leveraging capabilities of this enterprise PMO function. In fact, they became an advocate for us, a champion for the change we're creating and a lover, if you will, of the PMO and the services we were delivering because we solved their pain. We did it quickly. We answered their need, their question. They didn't even know they wanted us to answer just by really diving deep on the business problems they had and jumping on that opportunity. I had to shift gears and pull some resources, some critical resources from other places in order to do this. But by doing so, we saved this enterprise PMO from a credibility perspective and were able to pull everyone back into that fold. So critically important. So the lesson learned here is that category of people you really need to worry about, those just don't cares, they're the ones that are running around acting like the PMO doesn't even exist. They're the ones that think they are better off without you or feel like what you're doing with the PMO does not impact them. And maybe it doesn't. Or maybe it should, but they are moving along nicely without you, further proving the lack of the PMO and the need for the PMO in their organization. Spend your energy here. Get these folks on board where the fact that they are allowed to ignore you and ignore the existence of the PMO will just encourage others to follow suit, leading to the demise of your PMO. Remember, you've got to figure out their WIFM, their what's in it for me, and do so quickly. What do they care about? What problems are they having that you could solve quickly? Don't take too much time and don't spend too much energy on trying to push new services or making commitments, but then not being able to follow through with them. Make sure you find a way to ease their pain quickly, giving them a reason to go from just don't care to lover right away. All right. Now, once you've answered those four questions, there's a whole nother set of questions that you're going to need to answer. And we're going to answer those questions over the next 
many weeks. The next question we're going to answer is, where do we start? How do we assess the organization for those impact opportunities and find the right places to focus our energy as a PMO, whether we are just getting started or we're trying to hit the reset button with our PMO? Then what services are we gonna offer? We'll go into how you define your services and capabilities for the organization based on what you learned in that assessment process. Another question you'll have is how many phases do we wanna have in our PMO implementation? Or how do we roll out our services? This is the question we will ask when we talk about building your impact roadmap for your PMO. How you're gonna roll out those services and capabilities over time in a way that brings people with you through that change process and allows time to get something out, see how it's doing before you move on to the next service or capability. We'll go into why you do not want to boil the ocean and try and do everything all at once. The next thing we'll look at is delivery. How are you going to make an impact and show value while you're bringing people with you through the process? And then we're going to go into sustaining and evolving your PMO. How do you know what you're doing is working and how can you continue to meet the evolving needs of your stakeholders so the PMO stays relevant and at the forefront of the changes that your organization is trying to make. So that's what's coming in the next many episodes. If you want a sneak peek and you just can't wait, then I suggest you check out my free masterclass, how to set up a high impact PMO in 90 days or less. This will give you the step-by-step plan that we're going to be covering over the next many weeks in these episodes. So if you prefer to have a follow-along worksheet as well as a training program on this topic, go to my free masterclass at pmostrategies.com forward slash setup. That's pmostrategies.com forward slash setup. All right, that's it for today. Thank you so much for sharing your day with me and allowing me to help you make a huge impact with the PMO and project management. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye for now.